In this edition of the podcast, Van Gogh Alive comes to Sydney. A bold move by the promoter this year, and we'll hear from the creator and from the organisers about running a strictly COVID-safe public event. Also, the Powerhouse Museum moves full steam ahead and presents Hybrid, a new exhibition studying contemporary urban designs for the home of 2030. And Sydney Contemporary is currently underway, 100% online. I'm Tim Stackpool, and this is Inside the Gallery. Thanks as always for downloading the podcast and for all your listener comments. It's lovely to hear of your gratitude and very gratifying to hear of the comfort, I guess, that the podcast is bringing to a few, especially those who really are missing the physical opportunities to enjoy art and exhibitions in the real world this year. And thanks for the support given by Pixel Perfect Pro Lab, providing services to professional photographers. Pixel Perfect's contribution goes towards the cost of transcriptions of this podcast for those who are hearing impaired. And you can download the transcripts at www.insidethegallery.com.au. That's our website. And if you want to visit Pixel Perfect Pro Lab, you can do so at pixelperfect.com.au. First, let's head to Sydney's Entertainment Quarter and the bold step by the M Agency to stage Van Gogh Alive while significant COVID restrictions remain in place. Together with creator Bruce Peterson of Grande Exhibitions, Van Gogh Alive could well be one of the first purpose-built COVID-aware major arts and entertainment initiatives in Sydney. We'll hear from Melbourne-based Bruce Peterson about the origins of Van Gogh Alive. But first, given that this has been a year of uncertainty and changing government restrictions, what would drive anyone to take the risk of planning a significant public event, let alone staging it? Here's a little of what the M Agency CEO Emma Triggs said at the press conference prior to the opening. I'm thrilled to be presenting Van Gogh Alive right here, right now, at a time when we all need the opportunity to reconnect with the beauty of art and rediscover joy in what has been the most traumatic of years. This installation is very special. It is the biggest version of Van Gogh Alive that has ever been seen and is up to about three times larger than anyone that has been in production before. We're using 36 of the highest definition projectors, the equivalent of 30 IMAX screens, some up to seven metres high, more than 83 million pixels of content, along with cinema surround sound. You'll soon have the chance to immerse yourselves in Van Gogh Alive, where you'll discover over 2,000 sketches, drawings and paintings in the largest collection of his works ever presented at the one time. Many of you know me as the founder and CEO of the M Agency, servicing the arts and entertainment sectors. At the beginning of the year, we're at the top of our game. We were scaling to new heights that we had never been before. Then COVID struck and all of our arts and entertainment clients' events were cancelled. Suddenly, we had no work. And like so many other businesses this year, we nearly fell off a cliff. At this point, for us, there were two options. Either sit back and wait for events to return to normal and wait for our money to run out, or to find a new way to utilise the skills on our team and invest everything we have into something new quickly. So I decided it was time to be bold, it was time to innovate, it was time to find a new way to do what we do best and get back to work. And after seeing Van Gogh Alive last year while overseas, I thought it could be perfect for us. The content is inspiring and timeless, and the experience was as safe as possible due to the no-touch nature of the environment. We also thought Vincent van Gogh was a perfect artist to spotlight. He lived in a very tumultuous time. He had a very difficult life. We can all relate to something like that right now. 
Yet despite his challenges, he still managed to appreciate the beauty around him and his works have brought so much joy to the many generations over the 100 plus years since his death. So I reached out to Bruce Peterson, the owner of Grande Exhibitions, the creators of Van Gogh Alive, to see if we could license it for Sydney. And luckily for us, due to COVID, Bruce was able to grant that license. This initiative has created jobs, it's saved businesses, and is helping to bring this precinct and the businesses all around it back to life. I urge the government to review the arts and entertainment support assessment criteria so that they can assist initiatives like this one in the future. Thank you. This has been an enormous project, one that has taken off at a rapid rate of knots, and I'm so glad that I've found something to save us all and keep us in our jobs. Emma Triggs there, the CEO of the M Agency staging Van Gogh Alive in Sydney at the moment. Van Gogh Alive is a large-scale, multi-sensory experience that has inspired over 6 million people across 50 cities around the world and has been staged in places like Rome, Milan, Berlin, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Moscow and there's many others, but... What many people may not have been aware of is it is the brainchild of Melbourne-based Bruce Peterson. And being in Melbourne due to travel restrictions, Bruce had to speak at the media launch remotely on screen. Van Gogh Alive is pretty special to us. Uh, We've conducted now 190 exhibitions around the world, some 32 languages, over 140 cities. We've seen 17, 18 million visitors, but this is only the third time that we've displayed in Australia. So it's something that we're very, very proud of, in particular being able to achieve uh, in in this particular challenging moment in time. The journey for myself and Grande really started 15 years ago when I moved to Italy with my young family to uh, create the the most comprehensive exhibition on Leonardo da Vinci that had ever been undertaken. And it was during the multiple visits to some of the, the great museums and galleries in Florence and Rome in particular um, that really led me on this pathway because five or ten minutes into those experiences, my young kids were tapping me on the shoulder saying, Dad, this is boring, let's go get a gelato. And I really uh, couldn't couldn't quite work out at the time um, why it was uh, not of interest to them like it was to me. Um, but on investigation, you know, they, they were just telling me that, look, without without things moving, it was just it just wasn't exciting. And, and without music, it definitely wasn't exciting. And uh, this was also the time when, when the kids were starting to engage on uh, electronic devices more and more. So um, that really set us on a pathway of, uh, of starting to develop multimedia experiences. And we were the first to do so. And we started this back in 2010. And no one had undertaken it at that time. And it took us a good two years to work out the whole system of how to, how to do that. And here we are now, uh, nearly 10 years later, and really we've moved from multi, multimedia now to multi-sensory. So what we're trying to do with Van Gogh Alive, and, and hopefully you can appreciate that, is linking all the human senses together um, and synchronise those. And therefore you as the visitor will get a, a more emotional outcome and a more of an amplified outcome. Um, this really is a culmination of many, many, many years of, of, of great work. Um, this experience has constantly been upgraded, adapted, changed, improved, worked on uh, to make it the experience that it is today. Um, our full creative departments and, and production departments have worked uh, together to, to really put on a magnificent experience that I hope you enjoy it um, and um, I hope it's a great success for, for Sydney. 
Bruce Peterson there, the creator of Van Gogh Alive, which is proving very popular and the season has been extended due to demand. And part of that is due to the restricted access to each session. Significant social distancing is required, as well as many other precautions. And I asked the event manager, Gracie Valdez, about those operational aspects. We want to make sure that we've exceeded expectations. That That's our whole goal is to make sure that people feel comfortable leaving their houses and going to a live event and going into an enclosed room with as many people as capacity will allow, which we are being very conservative with. We have more than enough room, as you saw, to have a good good kind of physical distance between you and your neighbor. We have signage, contact tracing, QR codes, hand sanitizer, temperature checks. We've got medics on site. We've got sneeze guards. We've got all of the things that you would hope and more. When you were brought onto this job and you thought, well, this is a daunting task, did you consider that you would have to go to the extent that you have gone to to put this together? Or did you go, okay, we're going to exceed the expectations here. We're actually going to give people an experience here beyond what they would hope for in terms of public safety. That's been the number one goal this entire time. This is perfect. It's con- There's no touch points. There's plenty of space within this glorious venue so everybody's really excited to get back in here when I knew that that was our intent and our goal it made me really excited yes of course it's a big list of things to do and to check off but I was that's what makes people comfortable you know there's all ages that love fine art and we want to make sure that everybody feels comfortable and and speaking of fine art and I know you're not necessarily the expert Mm -hmm. in this but of course putting this show together I mean you must be somewhat moved by the expansive nature of the artwork we're seeing here projected and even just the work of Van Gogh himself. I mean, it's almost overwhelming in terms of how you feel actually being in this space and taking a look at this art. Absolutely, it's brilliant. It feels like you're inside of the painting and you can see all of the brush strokes and just all of the delicate work that was done, but up close, it it feels really visceral. It's a very intimate experience. I felt that the quality of the the imagery as well, it, it almost stands off the projection surface in terms of the definition that you see in the brush strokes it's just amazing amazing yeah the just the detail is incredible event manager gracie valdez there talking about van gogh alive now underway at sydney's entertainment quarter it is an instagrammer's paradise so if you can't make it in person there's plenty to enjoy online that's for sure until you can but for more info and tickets visit the official website www.vangogholive.com.au Now on this edition of Inside the Gallery podcast to the Powerhouse Museum and the exhibition there called Hybrid, looking at urban design as it might or will appear in the year 2030. Open right now, it presents new commissions from nine design studios responding to the pressing issues of our time and exploring the needs of the future home. The museum commissioned the design studios to work with researchers and practitioners from alternative industries to create a series of furniture and objects exploring the rapidly changing global landscape and responding to issues such as the COVID-19 global pandemic, air quality, bushfires, rising temperatures and well-being. Creative director Stephen Todd told me about the evolution of the project. So actually hybrid was the theme of Sydney Design Week. And we were uh, having a design symposium, we were having various exhibitions, an architectural show, all sorts of uh, interventions around collaboration and cross-pollination. So, but the hybrid commission was always part of that. 
And what happened when uh, Design Week was cancelled as a result of COVID, like a lot of the cultural programming at the end of at the end of March, um, the commission still went on because we we sent out those commissions. The designers were working, uh, and we were always going to get all of this work was going to come in around middle of August. Some of it a bit late, um, so it was here. And then what happened, of course, on the fourth of July, uh, the Berejiklian government declared that the powerhouse would not close, and so there was a mad rush to put on some exhibitions. Um, the Mayton show went up uh, in the touring hall. The Mayton that was a bequest and part of that was that it should be exhibited so those hundred guitars went up real fast and then we had seven weeks to put this together and I've got to say honestly I to watch that this team work that fast was incredible uh, so yeah seven weeks to put it together um, and here it is and also that seven weeks involved we, we were really lucky because we got to put it in the historical part of the museum we were able to rip up some of the carpets explode the concrete floor really show off the architecture that's why the, the, the interior design is quite sort of structural you were uh, I mean you were part of putting the brief together but yep. did any of the pieces necessarily surprise you in how the brief was interpreted oh yeah look I mean what we did because you know there are obviously many many more than nine design studios working in Sydney or connected to Sydney we really tried to um, cast it cast or do a lineup of those studios that really represented the spectrum of the way you can design from super modernists who really isolate a, a problem and they find a solution to it and that's the way Charles Wilson works to really more conceptual or speculative designers like Elliot Rich who's based in Los Springs and her work is based on really deep and long conversations with a neuroscientist and she came up with an empathetic mirror that reflects you back as some wildlife and that was hand carved in, in Canberra so each of them was really a long uh, to use that word journey uh, each of them was very very specific to that designer's approach to design uh, and each of them we really worked with them to sort of not get nine tables or not get nine people working with fluid dynamics engineers so we had to really kind of create that sort of that topography so that there was a richness to it and we hope that's what comes across here. So far it's been a calamitous year are you surprised at the level of serenity that has come out of these designs considering what we've been living through? I think it's actually not at all, and it's really good that you picked that up, and it's not at all surprising. Quite a few of them really are about meditativeness and quietness. The the three um, parabolic glass bowls by Rive Roshan, which is Golna Roshan and, and Ruben de la Box, uh, a, a Sydney Iranian designer and uh, her Dutch partner, they based in Amsterdam, they literally were sitting, they were in lockdown with their little two-year-old in their Amsterdam, the canal side flat for two and a half months um, over that European spring and they just watched the light bounce off the canal and, and move its way across the room and they translated that via these pendulums to Australia so it's really about quietness and meditation Andrew Simpson Andrew is is um, has a studio called Vert Studio, which does a lot of beautiful work, um, very, very industrial work, um, from sunglasses to boats and things. And he wanted to really interpret this idea of the, the meditative shrine or a secular shrine. And that was part of a nod to that idea of demographic shifts, that we're going to have different cultural mixes in Australia. So what can we learn from, from Asian cultures about, about meditation? And for him, we've put, we've put in a, a, an Asian object, but he said it could be a photo of your granddad. Um, so yeah, so meditation was, wasn't surprising and also Tia and Tom Faraday's stuff is really about having small pieces in, in an intimate space and being able to move and watch light reflect through glass and things like that. Creative Director from the Powerhouse, Stephen Todd there. Now one unique piece amongst the many in the exhibition is actually a representation of a headstone which is formulated by processing 
and reusing the material possessions of the person that it commemorates. Design duo Gibson Carlo, in collaboration with Australian Research Council laureate Professor Veena Sahajwala, explored this concept of memorial and its implications for those left behind. The professor is with the Smart Centre for Sustainable Materials Research and Technology at the University of New South Wales, and I asked her about both the practical and artistic merit behind the piece. Yes, so uh, at the Smart Centre we have the philosophy that we need to be able to show that different types of materials never should go to waste. And in this particular case we've got waste fabric and glass and it's our new technology that we have produced green ceramics. And green ceramics is all about the hybrid, which is what we're talking about here today, bringing together very unlikely partners, in this case waste glass and textile, to create these green ceramics in our own micro factory at UNSW here in Sydney. So it shows that you can take anything that might reach the end of its life and transform it into a useful value-added product and bring materials and products back to life over and over again. So here we are moving away from the traditional granite production of a headstone and recycling a material for something which is used many, many times a day and installed many, many times a day. Yes, no, it's interesting when we when you look at life that, you know, life is really all about, you know, in many cases, your possessions that you have with you. And I think ultimately when we think about how we can bring these materials, recycle it and reform it into different ways so that the materials actually never really die. They're, they're kept in our life forever and ever when we can find a way to put it back into use. So that ability to kind of bring things back to life over and over again is something that's so fantastic about what we're doing at the Smart Centre in terms of, and our micro factories being a way to demonstrate that localised production and closing the loop on our materials locally in our economy is going to be so important for the future. Supporting local manufacturing and, and enabling that to happen by using, you know, recycled materials, whether it's green ceramics in this particular case or indeed products that are made uh, out of metals. In all of these cases, we've shown at the Smart Centre that you can actually use, um, you know, end-of-life products and rebirth them, bring them back to life again. And do you see the art world as particularly embracing this opportunity as, as well? I'm thinking about the collision between industrial design and art can you see perhaps artists and artisans throughout the world actually looking more towards the recycling of materials in order to be able to do this? Yeah, you know, it's a really good point that standing here in the Museum of um, you know, Applied Arts and Sciences that we, we want to bring together the world of art and science and design because I think it really just goes to show that we can work together across discipline boundaries, collaborate and inspire everybody else. So, you know, artists can play a big part, designers can play a big part in collaborating with scientists and engineers. And if we all work together and create beautiful, inspiring pieces like this one, I have to give all credit to the designers, Nick and Sarah, who uh, have done such a fabulous job. And of course, the museum for, for making this happen. Australian Research Council Laureate Professor Veena Sahajwala there. Now, this exhibition could be seen as a bit of a departure from what most might expect from the Powerhouse Museum, normally associated with design and industry from the past. So I asked Museum Chief Executive Lisa Havilar whether this is a sign of things to come. Well, the museum over the last 140 years has been 
an incredible, not only repository, but communicator um, back to the community, uh, really um, amplifying, promoting and engaging the community with great innovation and ingenuity. And I really see this project, Hybrid, as a continuation of you know that legacy about showing not only the thinking, the design thinking that's in our community currently, but also supporting designers to think into the future. And that's really a very important role that I see the museum plays. In the podcast over the past year, we've talked a lot about the agility required of institutions and individuals because of the year we've had to live through. Mm. How has your team handled all of that? And in particular, in getting this exhibition up? Well, I think everyone is um, rethinking, reviewing and renewing, in our case, not only our institution, but how we work within it. And, you know, it's been so fantastic from my perspective to see our really incredible museum team have their own, you know, incredible ingenuity in terms of how they collaborate, how they create, how they construct to bring forward this exhibition, which I think has a level of ingenuity to it in itself. I also do have to ask you, I mean, since your tenure here at the museum, it has been somewhat tumultuous in terms of talk of moving the museum, public's reaction to that, the politics involved behind that. Now that all of that has been put to bed, is it of great relief to you now that you can actually focus on the business of the museum rather than the business of having to move the museum? (laughs) Well, you know, one of the reasons, you know, I'm very fortunate to be in my role, but I'm very fortunate to be in this role at a time of very incredible renewal and extraordinary investment into um, our institution. So we're at the moment, um, we have a team of 120 people that are assessing, digitising and looking at our collection to make it more accessible but we're also in the process of creating an incredible new flagship museum in Parramatta and beginning the process of talking to the community about how we renew Ultimo. So I don't think you know I can be luckier than than I am to be involved in what is a really incredible and significant renewal process. Powerhouse Museum Chief Executive Lisa Havilar there and to learn more about hybrid and the museum in general head to mas.museum and click on the Powerhouse link, okay? That's mas.museum and click on the Powerhouse link. And before we ramp up this edition, let's talk about Sydney Contemporary, another regular art event that has migrated this year to 100% online. Launching with the moniker Sydney Contemporary Presents 2020, it is showcasing more than 450 new artworks by over 380 leading Australian and international artists. Running through until the 31st of October, the project, as always, is designed to support the arts community and this year takes visitors on a distinctly different artist-led journey of discovery, where the online visitor is encouraged to create a pathway to find the perfect artwork for them from hundreds of the newly created works on display, and they are selling right now. Barry Keldoulis is Sydney Contemporary's Fair Director. Barry, thanks for joining us on the podcast again this year. You're doing okay at the moment? Good, really good, yes. Now, it has been a year of many adaptations, but but when did you first decide that Sydney Contemporary was going to be a significantly different event this year? Oh, I'm trying to think of exactly when it was, but it was really when it became obvious that the government wasn't going to allow mass gatherings mm, by September. Mm. Um, I think it was probably around um, April um, that 
that it, you know, because we, we were, we were, I think, like everyone, hoping at the very beginning of it all that it would, you know, come and go reasonably quickly. I know, um, <laughs> a lot of optimism. <laughs> yeah, and the um, it was obvious that mass gatherings would not be allowed by September, and of course, subsequent to that, then you had the second wave in, in mm. Victoria and mm. and some in New South Wales. So, so we sort of made the decision as early as we could for the sake of the galleries and the artists so that they could plan. Then we decided to go ahead and do an online platform, but something a little bit different from what other art fairs had done. Yes, and indeed your online experience this year is quite different to what we've experienced in the past from you guys. Yeah, well, um, most art fairs have done what they call, like they've tried to recreate the fair online mm. almost literally by doing it by gallery. Mm. And and it's fine, but, you know, the feedback we had was that, you know, they weren't from galleries was that these online viewing rooms weren't hugely successful. Mm. And from our point of view, you know, we're part of what we think is our job is, is expanding the audience for contemporary art. So mm. we thought if, you know, going into one of these more traditional, even though they're only a year or so old, but these more traditional online viewing rooms, you really had to know of the gallery and about the artists perhaps that you wanted to look at. Whereas we decided to try and perhaps recapture some of what's fantastic about a fair, which is that that sort of almost overwhelming sensation when you walk in and there's so much work yes. by so many different artists and so varied. And there's the work by the artists that you know and love and mm. that you want to see and catch up with, but there's also so much work that will catch your eye as you wander around mm. um, that, that, that catches your eye and you become interested in. So, um, so we have done it sort of really with um, artists facing forward, if you know what I mean, so that yeah. rather than go in via galleries, you can scroll through and see the work that catches your eye and then that will lead you to the gallery. And for the galleries, it works well because we've, we've asked them for five works um, and suggested to them it's best to, to, to give us five different artist works and quite different perhaps mediums and styles so that so that for them, it's more likely that people will be led to their virtual door because of the variety on offer. And somebody, you know, somebody who might be looking for, you know, a painting or something, but sees this sort of a ceramic sculpture mm. that, that grabs their eye and it takes them to the gallery's uh, website. So, and then there's also, so we want to make it a bit more fun as well. So there's also the um, decision tree or the uh, sort of selection engine that where you can go by various ways of describing an artwork to find the perfect work for you. And that's kind of a bit of a sort of fun game to play. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, 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 um, we're getting a lot of really good feedback and, and sales are being made. I mean, what you do is you hold an art fair, if you like, mm. but now you've kind of had to become a web architect as well. <laughs> yes. I mean, have you found that a challenging new talent you've needed to find over a very short period of time? Yes, certainly. Um, certainly it's been a, a rapid learning curve for me. Um, and uh, we decided to um, to work with some young web designers, um, and and it's, it was fascinating sort of talking with these uh, designers who really have grown up with the internet, as opposed to somebody like 
like me who, um, you know, the internet didn't exist when I was a child. Mm. Um, and, uh, and they talk um, in quite sort of emotive language about um, the internet and, and, and site presentations and that. So it was really interesting. It really worked interesting working with the young designers and, and they've, been, they've done a fantastic job. Now, just going back to your clients, the galleries, mm-hmm. how much enthusiasm did they have when you started talking about it having to be an online experience this year? They realised there was no alternative. Um, you know, there was just no way that that, that um, you know large gatherings were going to be allowed. They they've really sort of um, come to the to the party and and they've supplied us with you know very good works. There's only a couple I think that thought well we were having a solo pres- we were going to have a solo presentation at the fair so we'll just put the work of one artist forward. Mm. Um, but most of them have sort of um, cottoned on to the idea of, of um, you know, making it as broad and expansive and engaging as possible. I'm also wondering, Barry, considering the reach you've had in the past online, do you think this carries Sydney Contemporary further? I mean, further outside the region now because of what you've had to do online? Look, I suspect so. And, and I think we, we will we'll see over the next few weeks and months um, because it is very easy to forward on a link you know, to mm. to a friend, be it overseas or interstate, um, it's it's you know, not that easy to get people to fly halfway around the world mm. to a physical fair. Although people, you know, started doing that, um, but I think this this will be interesting because the you know, of course, the internet goes pretty much everywhere, mm. and and it will be interesting to see um, the engagement from overseas. Um, and certainly, then I think people will. Um, have a look at what we're presenting, even if they don't buy, that will pique their interest in perhaps coming to the fair next year. Because a lot of good work really still needs to be seen in the flesh to be fully appreciated. Oh, of course. So the online um, efforts won't ever fully replace um, you know, seeing seeing work in the flesh. Yes, and I think there's a lot of enthusiasm generated by actually being there with a whole lot of other people as well. It's you know, I kind of liken it to being at the the football match or the soccer match where the crowd yeah. really get excited. I mean, you you get motivated and enthusiastic by yeah. the people's reaction around you when you're looking at the work, especially that you guys have presented over the years. Yeah. So yeah. that's the one thing that I don't think we've been able to recreate. No. at all this year with all yeah. the online type of galleries and presentations that we've seen. Yeah. And um, the young artist, Abdul Abdullah, that, that we got to do the little sort of branding GIF mm. logo, um, uh, you know, it's a, it, the, the zeros of 2020 are, are talking heads. And, and mm. he said, you know, that's very much what he knew he was going to miss from the f- because of the fair not happening this year was that that sense of the sort of whole art world being yeah. there and the conversations and mm. and meeting new people meeting old friends and and talking about art um yeah. and so so that's what he's he was really going to miss and that's what his little um, identity sort of uh, captures a little bit of yes i i think and maybe my perspective's a little bit different but not only do i enjoy seeing the art and feeling the reaction that it generates within me, but actually seeing how other people react to it as well, the people-watching yeah. aspect of it too. you know. So it's yeah. like a, a whole different dimension to yeah. what being at Sydney Contemporary does. But before I let you go, just let me ask about the artist commissions that you're doing this year. Can you just talk about those a little bit? Yeah, we, we've worked with um, the uh, copyright agency and with the performance space who who have their live works program in october so it's it's worked out quite well the timing mm. um and so we um 
commissioned uh, Jess Johnson and, and her partner to sort of um, reconfigure a VR work that was had been shown and, and was beginning an international tour that got cancelled into um, a... Um, uh, it's not exactly virtual reality because it's not you don't put on the goggles and everything, but mm. but you can experience the work in in the sort of three sixty degree environment on online, mm. um, and um, and then there's a wonderful sort of performative work by um, you know a Kuri artist and a Cherokee artist um, separated um, in the halfway around the world in Sydney and New York where they will write letters to each other mm. um, at dawn and dusk because it's dawn in New York when it's mm. dusk here um, and they read their love letters to each other um, at that time each day. Mm. Barry, look, thank you so much for continuing Sydney Contemporary in at least this form and hopefully we'll get to catch up face-to-face in 2021. Yeah, I look forward to it. And thanks for having me on. Barry Keldoulis there, talking about the many changes to Sydney Contemporary this year. And if you need reminding of the website, visit www.sydneycontemporarypresents.com.au until the end of October. And that is the podcast for now. Head to the website at www.insidethegallery.com.au to download a transcript of this edition, always made possible by Pixel Perfect Pro Lab. You'll find links to all that we've talked about in the podcast today and there's also links to our Facebook and Instagram pages and you can sign up to the mailing list there too which will only ever alert you to a newly published edition of the podcast and of course you can unsubscribe to that mailing list at any time. As always, do what you can at the moment to support the arts, keep safe and follow social distancing as locally advised. I'm Tim Stackpole. Bye-bye for now. Listener.